everybody, Jace from the Comic Source coming to you live once again from the floor of San Diego Comic Con. Here with, it has been said, the man with the best hair in comics, Ram V, joining me to talk about The Vigil. Ram, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. Glad yeah, so uh, you and I were talking the other day about having you come on for years. We're going to make yeah. it happen with a longer uh, yeah. story. But anybody who listens to the podcast on a regular basis knows that I think The Vigil is the single best comic DC is putting out right now. For those who haven't been listening or have been missing out on this amazing book, let's give them the elevator pitch real quick. What's The Vigil Yeah, about? The Vigil's a, a group of uh, superhuman operatives based out of India, uh, run under the control of no one, financed by a very mysterious financier called Mr. Lightless, and their remit is to find and destroy technology, weaponized ideas, uh, and other such things that the world is not ready for just yet. But uh, as the story goes on, we discover their own existences are rife with their own secrets, and uh, maybe they're not who we think they are. Yeah, I love you said superhumans, not superheroes. Yeah. So interesting, uh, and I'm wondering if it's a challenge for you as a writer. You know, there are secrets. We haven't really gotten to know these characters too much, but what we have gotten to know, like, I don't know if we can trust these characters. It, you know, it's easy to trust Superman. You know he's going to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, kind of relate. You know where he's going to go. These characters, and as part of the fun, they could do anything. Completely unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. As a writer, is that fun? Is it challenging? How do you make sure the readers are connecting to the characters in that I mean, I think, I think more than anything else, they're, they're more representative of the world that I come from, the world that I look at. And yes, it's nice to have ideas of right and wrong, you know, good and black, black and white. Mm -hmm. But um, in India, there's so much gray. And one person doing the right thing to someone sat right next to me could be the worst imaginable uh, thing that they could do. And so I'm very interested in characters that look at the world that way, in that no matter what I do, I'm going to hurt someone, I'm going to help someone. So the only compass that matters is my own compass, except when you add superpowers into that mix and you end up with potentially very dangerous characters. Yeah, and there was a line in issue three uh, about why Castle, one of the characters uh, who's sort of the textbook definition of what a psychopath is, yeah. doesn't have emotions, doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't connect to people. Uh, well, why is he on the team so he's not on anyone else? Yeah. I just thought that was, yeah. I mean, what, what better way to describe how dangerous a character could potentially be? That the only, the fundamental reason the doctor feels to have this kid on his team is if somebody else used him in a way that was less responsible than me, it would be terrible. Right. Horrible. So at least yeah, I can keep my eye on him. But also, what vanity for the doctor to think oh. he is the right person to right. use this kid. Yeah, 100%. The other thing that you mentioned, obviously this is coming from your own heritage uh, being set in India. Yeah. Sort of an untapped area of the globe to, yeah. to set stories. Um, so how much are you drawing on your own personal experiences? Do you still have relatives? Do you still go back and visit that yeah, area? Yeah, I go back pretty regularly. My, my family still lives there. Uh, my parents still live there. And... Uh, India has had a very interesting history, especially in context of this comic, because um, people don't realize, like, India is in a part of the world where largely there has been some form of military conflict ongoing for the better part of half a century. Um, ever since the partition of India and Pakistan, there's been conflict in that area. Mm -hmm. On 
in the Northeast, there's been conflict with China and border incursions on that end. And then right above in the north, uh, Myanmar and, and um, Nepal and, and the arms trade and drugs trade going through Afghanistan across the Himalayas in that, in that region. So it then follows that uh, if the world has not heard of the Indian intelligence services, which uh, is a part of the Indian uh, Army, uh, Indian military apparatus, right. uh, and they're called Research and Analysis Wing, which is a such a vague, right. innocuous sounding uh -huh. name. Uh, so RAW is what they're called, and uh, no one knows anything about them. And there are no great CIA-esque stories to be told about their exploits. And I almost think that makes them either very, very good at what they do, or maybe they're not good at all. Which is exactly what an intelligence organization should feel like. You should not know they even exist. Right. And But scary to think of what they might be doing yeah. behind the scenes. Because the other thing about India, and I think you may have touched on this in the first issue, a real juxtaposition. There's so much poverty there, but yet there's some of the leading tech yeah, there yeah. as well. And also, like, for the longest time, one of three countries in the world that could launch space vehicles that had a space program right. uh, that sent uh, astronauts to the moon. So uh, it has always been that sort of dichotomy, that sort of contradiction in terms, if you will, uh, hugely impoverished sort of population. And yet has the highest number of billionaires in the world now. Uh, hugely underdeveloped cities and infrastructure, and yet is the world's third fastest growing economy. Yeah. So uh, it is a place of contradictions and therefore a place of a lot of grays. Uh, and I think beyond how I personally feel about those things, uh, it makes for a good canvas for interesting stories. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I should also congratulate you here officially for your uh, exclusive with DC. It's yeah, thank amazing. You, thank you so much. Um, did Swamp Thing, also doing detective comics right now. You have the vigil coming out. Is it a different audience, a different response? Are your fans just your fans that read everything you do? There are some who read everything I do. Uh, it's always funny. There are some who read everything I do, some who love my work, some who hate my work. Um, and I think the best, the best thing I have to say about that is I had a conversation with Brian Azzarello once, and he said, if everyone loves your work, you're not trying hard enough. Which I do, I do really take to heart, and I, and I agree, is that you can do something that is ubiquitously loved. But good art is supposed to evoke strong feelings. And if people don't strongly love your work, then you need to question if you're doing enough. Uh, and if people strongly love your work, chances are there's going to be people who strongly don't like right. your work. Is this the most fun to work on? I mean, Batman's Batman, right? It's like a bucket, bucket list thing. But being that you have a personal connection, you know, with the setting and what have you, is, is this the most fun that you're having right now on the vigil? I mean, not to I, put you on the spot. No, but. no, but, but, but I, I will say this. Like, Batman is akin to me um, weaving, like, an intricate tapestry. And so it is serious work for me. Uh, and I mean, the, uh, detective, I mean. And writing the vigil is like me 
juggling, flaming, bowling pins. <laughs> Completely different vibe. Uh-huh. Uh, you still have to be serious when you do it, but it's a different kind of energy. It's a different kind of writing that you have to do. Uh, the thing I compare it to the most is probably my Justice League Dark run okay. that, I, that I did. Um, it had the same sort of manic energy of like there are a million things happening at once. Obviously, I didn't have the real estate there that I have here. Um, but yeah, I like I like doing comics that feel different to work on as well. So like Swamp Thing was literally like to me felt like swimming through a mysterious swamp where you're scared every time you put your foot down. Like what's underneath? Right. And that was the feeling that even I had writing that story. Uh, and so yeah, like I said, the visual feels like you know juggling chainsaws or something like that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Justice League Dark because I, I wanted to, to talk about this as well. What I loved about Justice League Dark, it was about the interactions of the characters yeah. almost more so than villains. That's sort of the same thing here yeah. uh, in the vigil. It, the most interesting part is because, as we've said, these team members have secrets. They even have secrets from each other. Yeah. Um, and they don't even really know if they can try, you know, use the word team very loosely. Yeah. Uh, so it's all about the interactions. That has to be fun as well, right? Building that mystery of that and how they interact, playing them off one another. Yeah, to me, like I, my fundamental belief is that people read stories because they want to see facets of themselves reflected in, in the characters. Like, it's great you put, you know, Batman and Superman on a team. It's great when they go out and, you know, tag team some cosmic threat. But that will only take you so far. Mm-hmm. It only becomes interesting when the threat they face is some sort of existential quandary. Like Batman decides that, no, we have to, we have to destroy this thing. And Superman's like, no, we can't destroy it because we have to protect it in some right. way. I'm just, I'm just spitballing. But right. it, things only become interesting when the characters have personal motivations and stakes involved. Um, and that's just two characters there. So now you bring six in, you have to... At least I feel like I have the greatest fun when I'm writing characters who want six different things, who have six different ways of getting them, and they're all at odds with each other. Um, and yet they have to be a team, right? And that is like instant drama. And as a, as a writer, what you want to do is have drama everywhere. So, Is there anything coming up? We have another... It's uh, six issues total, so we got three more to go. I sure would love it to continue. I'm sure you have... It's, not a, it's not a conversation I've had yet, uh, but, you know, the support for it has been great. Uh, people love the book. People have been picking it up. DC has been back in the book. And, you know, I've just signed a deal as well, so we'll see if there's uh, room for six more at the, at the very least. Yeah, I mean, your Swamp Thing run got extended, yeah. so I would love for that to happen. Is there anything that's coming up in these next three issues that you're excited for readers to Yeah, there's a out? revelation at the end of next issue that throws everything up into the air again in terms of everything you thought you knew over the first three issues. Um, we've had this surprisingly hunky Dr. Shankar and going off into this alternate dimension uh, and we have no answers as to why or what he's doing there uh, and we're going to start sort of heading towards that answer uh, and you're going to really start questioning if he's a good guy or a bad guy or what's going on. That's um, to be fun as a creator as well though to, when that drops and then you kind of go see how everybody's mind is blown. Yeah, yeah, I mean even with the most recent issue with the Saya issue 
he's a he's an immediately magnetic character, and so people are like, oh, I love it. He's my favorite character. And then you read this, and you're like, he's a little bit creepy. It's a little bit creepy. Like, I'm not sure I quite like this character. I mean, I'm engaged by him. He's magnetic, but it's a little bit creepy. So I love, I love doing that stuff, playing with people's expectations of what they think this character is or should be. You know? Yeah. What was fascinating about it uh, was you kind of get this idea. Okay, he can take on other people's uh, appearance, but what you did in issue three, where he's like literally living in someone else's life, walking yeah. in their shoes. You like took it to the extreme. I, I think a lot of readers. I didn't ever think of that. I just thought, oh, you you disguise yourself so you can sneak in somewhere yeah. to replace somebody to live their life to interact with their friends and family. Yeah, yeah. There's some That's moral questions. <laughs> moral. Yes. And this is not a character who has moral quandaries in that regard, but also a character who. Eventually, when he meets her, he's like, I know I've not said hi, it's nice to meet you. And I think there's an innocence and a genuinity to that that makes everything that came before even more scary because you're like, wait, he has no malice towards her, but he literally just pretended to be her for a whole day. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was was fascinating. Again, the character, character first, set in this fantastic uh, setting with a lot of action and drama and what have you. So... uh, Ram, it's been so fantastic chatting yeah, with you. Yeah, pleasure. pleasure. Uh, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Other things you have coming up? Uh, well, I've got I've got a few creator-owned things that are on the horizon. I know there's a there's a book with Boom called Rare Flavors that's coming out. Um, there'll be more books with, with Image and Dark Horse coming out next year. Uh, and then, you know, just sign the exclusive. So there are conversations to be had about what I do at DC over the period of that contract. And uh, I'm very excited for all of those things. Part of my motivation has also been to take weird and obscure characters in DC. So uh, hopefully get an opportunity to do a little bit more of that too. Yeah, fantastic. I love when we get some of those lesser known characters. And, sure. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so I'm going to put a link to Rom's Twitter in the show notes, everybody. The right Rom. Uh, probably the best place to go to follow you when new things yeah, are coming yeah, out. Yeah, so, great. So yeah. go there and check it out, everybody. So uh, again, Rom, great chatting. Thanks. Pleasure. Pleasure. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.